Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, an immigrant family is torn apart as immigration officers make two arrests in the capital city. We'll hear from the daughter left behind. Then we continue to hear from Mississippi's congressional delegation on the new Trump administration. Today, it's Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson. Plus, a keeper of Mississippi's culture is set to be honored for his work at this year's Governor's Arts Awards. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A father and son from Argentina are in custody and in the custody of immigration officials in Pearl and could soon be deported. ICE arrested the pair yesterday at a West Jackson home. Bill Chandler with the Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance says the father, Daniel Vargas, was awaiting a special visa he applied for after becoming the victim of a crime. Vargas's daughter, Daniela, who was home at the time, says her brother is undocumented. She's a D, uh, DACA student, which means she can avoid deportation while attending school. Daniela spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier. I woke up to my dad giving me a kiss saying bye. You know, two years ago, I mean, two days ago, we had actually talked about, you know, what would happen if immigration came. It's been on the news a lot lately. So, you know, my dad said, we're going to talk tonight. I was avoiding it. You know, I went to sleep, but he came in here anyway, and we had a whole plan. You know, if if I'm gone, this is what's going to happen. You and your brother are going to take care of this, or me and you are going to take care of this. This morning, it was not like that. They actually took my two rocks. You know, they, they took my dad and my brother. My bro- I never got to see my brother this morning. I saw him last night. We actually stayed up <laughs> watching TV. We were laughing, having a good time. And then woke up this morning. He was gone. Uh, my dad was in his room. They had asked him for documents. He started taking everything out of his drawers, envelopes, his U visa, his passport, all that. Then they started asking for mine. Um, I knew mine was expired. What time did this all take place? Did they knock on the door? How did they? I don't know how they came in, but the way that my brother's truck is parked, I think that my brother was trying to leave to work and they got him outside. Um, because they do have regular vehicles, they didn't come in there white and green that everybody thinks. Did you hear what they said to your brother or your dad? I didn't hear anything they said to my brother. Um, to my dad, I was translating the whole time. They were just asking him about his paperwork, um, if he had it, that he'd be home today by 6, if everything was fine. But I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I mean, his my dad's paperwork, he's going through a U visa, but that takes time. He barely got the fingerprints done like two months ago. What did the agent say to you? Uh, when he started asking me about my paperwork, I didn't know what to say. Honestly, I knew that I was in the, I knew I was in the same spot, same position as my brother and my dad. I knew that I didn't have a, a status um, at the moment. I mean, I've done my DACA twice, but I didn't have a status. So, I mean, I was keeping it short, and I was just trying to cooperate the whole time. Uh, they were ask, they would ask a question. I would kind of just not answer or say something else completely entirely different. That way, it would get like the attention off of me. You mentioned that you hid in the house. Yes, I hid in the closet for the longest. Um, my phone started to die because I had so many people trying to call me. I was calling our church pastor. Where were the agents when you were hiding? When I was hiding, they were... 
it was uh they were knocking on that glass right there and they were knocking on the front door but i wasn't gonna open i mean it was my right i knew that i knew that i knew that for sure that i had the right to not open that door and everybody kept calling me and telling me do not open that door one of them was directly across from us so he knew if i went this way and the other two were on this side so i mean there was no way that i could have gotten out and i had a friend that was waiting for me down the street the whole entire time drove from vicksburg to come pick me up, and I mean, there was no way. And what did they do once they came in the house? Once they came in the house, they came in my room, and they were, I mean, they were yelling out my name, and I was trying to tell my mom I loved her. And then right after I... She was on the phone with you? Yeah, she was on the phone with me, and I hung up real fast, and then I called my girlfriend, and I was telling her, I was like, tell my mom, tell my mom this, tell my mom that, you know, keep us, keep her updated. And I had her on speaker. I had set my phone right there, and I had her on speaker just so she can hear everything. But the whole time they were like... Show yourself, put your hands up, you know, and they, I mean, they didn't, they didn't really, I didn't see them come in through the front door, but they were ready to bust this door. But I, I told them to wait. I was like, please wait. Like I was telling her bye. I was telling her to tell my mom, like, this was it. This was it for me. And then I finally came out and then they went through the whole house. Now you said that your dad did have a gun. Did he have a permit for it? He did not have a permit for it. It was just because we moved to this to this city we moved to jackson and it was not safe for me so and i told him i was scared when we moved in and he got us a gun but i didn't even know how to use it actually and we never even fired it so it was just there for protection but it was loaded it was ready but honestly i don't even know where it was to even use it if the if the occasion would have come up your father's room you said um they tore everything out of the closets yeah they tore everything out of the closet which actually kind of broke my heart even more because uh, my dad is so neat he hates when everything's not in his spot and so just for me to walk back there right now and know that he's not here that he's not coming home that kind of hurts a little bit what are you gonna do now honestly i don't even know what i'm gonna do in the next 30 minutes i don't i don't have i don't know i don't have my family's in argentina all i have here is my mom my dad and my brother my mom doesn't live in this state so i don't know I don't, I don't know. Daniela Vargas with our Desiree Frazier. After talking about the specific events of her father and brother's arrest, Daniela said she wanted to share a message about immigrants like her. A lot of people think that we're here to steal their jobs, but my, my dad's my dad's so hardworking. And my brother is too, you know. And they're working their butts off so that I can go to school because DACA doesn't give me government help. I don't get FAFSA. I don't get any of that. So I have to actually pay out of pocket. And I work my butt off. I have all those medals from trumpet. I play trumpet, and that's where I got all my scholarships and everything. That's how I'm going to school, with scholarships. I was an honor student. I graduated number eight out of my class. I had all A's. I did what my parents brought me here to do. And because of that, they don't care. (laughs) They would want to take me anyway. Like Like all that work I put in, it's invalid. It doesn't matter to them. Thomas Byrd is a spokesman for Immigration and Custom Enforcement. He says yesterday's arrests were part of a routine process ICE goes through. What it is is we get intelligence and find out, you know, that a person or, you know, generally it's going to be like one person is at a location. And so once we confirm that that person is at that location, then we will go in and if, you know, they're a priority for removal, we, we will go in, apprehend them, and the removal process starts. Generally, what we're looking for is anyone that's um, got a criminal record, um, especially with uh, like aggravated uh, felonies, the, uh, anyone that's a public safety threat or threats to national security, recent border or recent arrivals, and things like that. And so 
we go out looking for the ones that, you know, fit those priorities. Primarily, it's going to be for, uh, you know, trying, trying to make the community more safe. Bird would not give specific details about Daniel Vargas or his son. We continue to hear from Mississippi's congressional delegation on the new Trump administration. Today, it's Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Governor's Arts Awards, the Mississippi Arts Commission's annual recognition of the state's artistic and cultural heritage, will be presented on Thursday, February 16th at the Old Capitol Museum in downtown Jackson. Beginning at 6 p.m., MPB Think Radio will air the ceremony live as six creative Mississippians will be honored for their significant contributions to the arts. MPB TV will air the ceremony on February 23rd. This week on MPB Season Pass, with college baseball kicking off Friday, we'll preview the 2017 season with Coach Bianco, Coach Canizero, and Coach Scott Berry. Can Southern Miss go back to the NCAA tournament? What will the number one recruiting class in the nation do on the field this year at Ole Miss? And can Coach Canizero lead the Bulldogs to -to back-to-back SEC championships? It's MPB Season Pass, this morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The ranking Democrat on the House Homeland Security Committee says there should be an investigation into the former National Security Advisor's communication with Russia. President Donald Trump says Gerald General Michael Flynn's contact with Russia while he was still a civilian wouldn't even be public knowledge if it weren't for illegal leaks. But Mississippi Congressman Benny Thompson says Flynn's recent admissions raise serious national security concerns. And this notion that We wouldn't know anything had it not been for the leaks. It's asinine. You know, at some point, we have to deal with the facts. It's more than just trust, Mr. President. It's a matter of breaking the law. Flynn unexpectedly resigned his post this week after just three weeks on the job. Thompson made his comments at a press conference yesterday in Washington. Correspondent Matt Laszlo caught up with the congressman and asked him about some of President Trump's policy ideas, starting with the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, commonly called Obamacare. It will have catastrophic impact, uh, not just on the uh, people who are benefiting uh, from coverage, Uh, But I have hospitals who are saying to me, for the first time, we got people who have coverage who can pay. And that helps us from our bottom line standpoint. Uh, Our uncompensated care costs have been reduced substantially. And we're now able to make choices based on what the numbers reflect. But as you know, the uncompensated care Uh, numbers is something that ultimately is picked up by taxpayers or something like that. But what they also see is they don't see as sick of people coming because they have coverage. So whereas people used to take aspirins or or do that uh, because they have a headache, and then ultimately it turns out to be something... uh, uh, far more uh, dangerous, uh, potentially a stroke or something like that. Because they have coverage, they go when they feel bad. And so consequently, the cost of care is substantially reduced. And uh, so 
they're concerned. Uh, I have two hospitals in my area uh, that's closed recently. I have several others that's changed hands because of uh, bad debt or uncompensated care. And now when it comes to the Obama or Trump administration, he's called for a big infrastructure package. That could be big down there in Mississippi. Do you... Do you support him on that? And now do you see Republicans kind of dragging their feet on this? Well, I haven't seen, I, I heard the trillion dollars. Uh, uh, we absolutely would support uh, a responsible uh, infrastructure package, whether it's roads, bridges, water, sewer, public buildings. All that creates jobs in the economy. And we desperately need it. Uh, I will support a responsible uh, uh bill, but I need to see it. And uh, I don't want to endorse something that all of a sudden said, well, we're going to pay for this because we're going to cut out this program. You know, so in other words, if they try to have a pay for that adversely impact current programs, I would have serious issue with it. And now what's your role in this new Congress? Is it mostly on foreign policy stuff? I mean, there's well, a lot of moving balls here. Well, you know, uh, I have uh, one of the more agricultural districts, uh, i.e. rural. I have 26 counties. All 26 counties are medically underserved. I'm a ranking Democrat on Homeland Security. Uh, and uh, I'm the dean of my delegation uh, in my state. So I kind of wear uh, a number of hats. Uh, but as important is I understand public policy and how you get things done. And we should not be here to punish uh, uh, people who can't come to Washington, people who can't hire lobbyists, people who don't have investment portfolios in Wall Street. No, they're still human beings, and we're here to take care of them. And that has been uh, my mantra from day one. Are you worried about some of these cabinet picks, like Jeff Sessions? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I'm very concerned. Uh, there's a record there of uh, him being anti-civil rights, uh, anti-voting rights. And in this day and time, a country that's getting uh, more and more minority, uh, that we put somebody uh, who philosophically uh, disagrees with the growing minority. Congressman Benny Thompson with Washington correspondent Matt Laszlo. A keeper of Mississippi's culture is set to be honored for his work at this year's Governor's Arts Awards. We'll hear from him next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. For moments in black history, we salute Indasia Ida Mae Holland, best known for her play From the Mississippi Delta. Indasia Holland made her way from poverty and prostitution in the Jim Crow South to civil rights activism and ultimately a Ph.D. from the University of Minnesota. With the help from the civil rights organization SNCC, Indasia bettered her life and the lives of others. Her play From the Mississippi Delta leaves a legacy of making a way from no way. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. On the next Fresh Air, we talk with Mahershala Ali, who's nominated for an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor for his role in Moonlight as a drug dealer who becomes the father figure to a young boy. Moonlight is nominated for Best Picture, and so is another film Ali co-stars in, Hidden Figures. He gave a very moving speech when accepting a Golden Globe last month for his performance in Moonlight. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. William Ferris has dedicated his life to preserving the stories of Mississippi's culture. He grew up in Vicksburg before going off to boarding school and college, eventually earning a doctorate in folklore. He was the founding director of the Center for the Study of Southern Culture at the University of Mississippi. At one time, he was the director of the National Endowment for the Humanities. He is back in Mississippi today to receive the Governor's Arts Award for Lifetime Achievement. On the Mississippi Arts Hour, Ferris talked about how he became a folklorist. Here he is talking to Turi Fluker and Jennifer Joy Jameson. Well, I did the same thing I tell my students that they should do, which is to follow your heart and do what you love, and you will be both happy and successful. And certainly in my case, that has been what's worked out. I grew up on a farm outside of Vicksburg in Warren County, and my grandfather was a great storyteller. He used to tell me that he grew up in the aftermath of the Civil War and had been raised on cornbread and recollections. And there were many black families on the farm who were great storytellers, and a lady named Mary Gordon would take me every first Sunday to the black church on the farm, Rose Hill Church, and I, at the age of five, learned to sing the hymns, and those were the sort of foundational pillars of my identity as a Mississippian and as a person. How do you define folk life? Folk life, I think of as the oral traditions Uh, I tell my students an African proverb that when an old woman or man dies, a library burns to the ground. And it's with a sense of urgency that I have tried to record and preserve the oral traditions, the stories, uh, the music, the crafts, all of which are so fragile and so beautiful. And when we capture those, we really create a portrait of a people and a time that without that kind of documentation will vanish when those people are gone. So it's folk life for me is the human vessel as a library And it passes on these oral traditions in ways that are very beautiful and very precious. You have seemed to navigate the complicated racial social history of Mississippi with a unique finesse. Well, I think you need to think of it as the ocean. And there are storms on the surface, but down on the bottom of the ocean, it's very calm. And when you deal with people as a folklorist, you go to the bottom And you go to things that everyone shares, your mother, your father, uh, the people who made you. We start there. Tell me about your parents, your grandparents. Uh, you, You look at things that we're born, we live and we die. And it's a storyline from childhood to adulthood. And the folklorist looks at that timeline of life, and no matter who it is, whether it's Eudora Welty or Byron de la Beckwith 
or Martin Luther King. Uh, these are all human beings who have a kind of uh, humanity that the folklorist reveals. And it's complex. No one is all positive or negative. It's peeling back the, the onion and trying to get to the core. And when you do that, you never fully finish. But as you do that, you reach the heart of who people are. And working in the South, you learn to deal with all kinds. We're so angry with each other over over what? Life is so brief. We should be celebrating our differences. And folklore is a way to find the common humanity of black and white, of men and women, of old and young, and to build those bridges And education is the key. If we build our educational support, we are building a better future, something that Mississippi understands and we have to to focus on increasingly. Where did this idea come from to study the South? The idea of studying the South was never a field of study until recently. And when I began my work, I would have loved to have had a Center for Study of Southern Culture with a curriculum. That would have been my dream. But I was simply doing it without understanding that it was or would be a field. You read Eudora Welty and Margaret Walker, Richard Wright. Uh, You listen to the blues. Uh, You look at the photography of people like Eudora Welty. In many ways, they laid the foundations that eventually led me back from Yale to Mississippi. And for the first time, the University of Mississippi, under the leadership of Chancellor Porter Fortune and Ann Abadie and many others, made the decision that they were going to create a center for study of the South that would build on both the beautiful and the nightmarish worlds of William Faulkner and James Meredith, for which the university was known. And again, it was like a lightning rod. That center, from the time it was first announced, was international news because people are drawn to the South. Bill Ferris will receive the Governor's Arts Award for Lifetime Achievement tonight. You can hear the entire ceremony, including the other five honorees, live at 6 o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, MPB's Season Pass. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.
I'm Robert Krulwich from Radiolab. We're told that smell triggers memories in the brain. So if you're in your car, let's try something. Roll up your windows and inhale, okay? There are some memories you cherish and others that just um, linger. But now here's a thought. How about contributing this barrel of aroma that is your car to your favorite public radio station? And you might even get a tax deduction. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This week on MPB Season Pass, with college baseball kicking off Friday, we'll preview the 2017 season with Coach Bianco, Coach Canizero, and Coach Scott Berry. Can Southern Miss go back to the NCAA tournament? What will the number one recruiting class in the nation do on the field this year at Ole Miss? And can Coach Canizero lead the Bulldogs to -to back-to-back SEC championships? It's MPB Season Pass, this morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. 